You are listening to an Elam Church Christchurch podcast. We hope that you are encouraged and inspired by the message you are about to hear. And if you're ever in Christchurch, why don't you pop in and say hello? We'd love to connect. It's great to be with you today. My name's Pete, if we haven't met, and um, I'm the campus pastor here. And if it, if it is your first time, just to let you know, I'll be down the back after the service and love to connect with you. And uh, yeah, hear a little bit about what brought you here today. But uh, we are in the, in the second part, second week of a series called Alignment, based on the idea that like your car, our lives sometimes need a wheel alignment. Your, your tires, they, they get out of alignment. And you actually don't need very much uh, angle to be out before the wear starts. And so what you do is you take your car in, and, and, and then somebody, I don't know how they do it, I don't even really know what they do, but they fix the thing, and they put, them, put the wheels back into alignment. And, uh, and, and so we're doing this series called Alignment based on the book of Colossians, where, uh, where Paul has written this letter to this church, just correcting them and encouraging them and saying, hey, get your lives back into alignment with the things of God. Today's message is titled, Christ is Enough. Christ is Enough. You know, my first real thing that I did as an adult was to go off to university on a physics scholarship, government scholarship, to study physics. And uh, as you might imagine, in a class of, um, where, of, of young, budding science people, there are a lot of know-it-alls. <laughs> I felt like there were way more know-it-alls in my class than in anybody else's class. It's just the physics. You know, if you've ever watched Big Bang Theory, the, the stereotype is accurate. It's, it's absolutely accurate. And uh, there are a lot of know-it-all types, people who just kind of like try and download information to you, and you're just kind of nodding along, thinking like, um, I, this per- I need to make this person think like I understand what they're saying, but I have no idea what they're saying. And I wonder if you've ever met a know-it-all. <laughs> My challenge when I was at university was uh, because I was on scholarship, if it was not successful, I had to pay the money back. And so I'm in this class, and people are kind of trying to download stuff to me. And the whole time I'm wondering, man, am I doing enough? Because you don't get your grades until the end of the semester, and probably by then it's going to be a little bit late. And so you're asking yourself, am I doing enough? Am I learning enough? Other people around me seem to be far more switched on than me, but I was asking that question, I hope I'm doing enough to keep up. Am I doing enough? And many of us have asked that same question in regards to our faith, whether we've said it out loud or whether we've cognitively thought it or whether it has even just been a fleeting feeling that we have not put words to. We've asked the question, is my faith enough? It's a question that that people, Christians, have felt all through history. It's a question that the Colossian church felt. It's a question that we feel, is my faith enough? Maybe you felt it when you met somebody who seems to have it all together. Uh, Their whole lives seem to have it all together. And then when they told you their secret to faith, they listed off 10 things that seemed very impressive but also overwhelming. And you ask that question in your mind or in your, in your emotional core, I'm not like that. Is my faith enough? 
Maybe people told you all of the things that you should not be doing. You shouldn't drink alcohol. Shouldn't do this. Shouldn't do that. They gave you a picture of how to attain to this kind of true faith that seemed out of reach. And you wondered to yourself, well, the faith that I have, is, is that enough? Perhaps, however, your past is not what it should have been. And you wonder in your heart, because of what happened back then, or because of my choices back then, or because how messy things were back then, does that mean that my faith for the future is not enough? You've asked that question, is, is my faith enough? And the second chapter of Colossians uh, does not actually answer that question. <laughs> it just kind of lets that question hang in the air and kind of sidesteps that question but makes the statement that Christ is enough. Doesn't necessarily answer the question, but says, hey, hey, let's just park that for a moment, and let's, let's take some time to discuss that Christ is enough. So a bit of context to the, to the book of Colossians. We spoke about this last week, but, but Paul had been this traveling minister, and uh, he felt called to go to Rome. And so in his way to Rome, he had these times in prison. And he finally got to Rome. And he's in prison in Rome awaiting execution, kind of on death row. And uh, while he's on death row, people are allowed to visit him. And he gets this visitor called Epaphras, who describes the church in Colossae, where, where Paul uh, has not actually met those people. So he writes this, this, this book, writes this letter, four chapters long, now, I don't, I don't know if he meant it that way, but we, we divide it up into four little bits and uh, encouraging them in their faith to resist the pressures of the world around them. He writes this about what he wants for the church in Colossians, in Colossae. He says this in the message translation, I want you to be woven into a tapestry of love in touch with everything there is to know of God. Then you will have minds confident and at rest, focused on Christ, God's great mystery. He's saying, I want you to know everything there is to know of God, but the way you do that is to focus on Christ. He's saying that to know God is to know Christ. To know Christ is to know God. So when we start to wonder, like, is my faith enough? Well, you wonder, man... Is my Christian life enough when life for me is so messy? When I, claim, uh, when I claim to follow Jesus, but I do these things that I know are wrong, and I don't actually want to do them, but I, but I do them anyway, how can I stand up and claim to be a disciple of Jesus, you might ask, when I skip Bible reading days or goes days or even weeks without prayer? And Paul, Paul, Paul kind of parks those thoughts and says, there may be time to discuss those types of things. But the first thing you need to know is that Christ is enough, that we're called just to know Jesus. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him. You see, the language and the calling is to live each day in Christ. This is not performance language. We, there's no hint of, well, how well am I doing at living out the Christian life? It's saying, no, actually, just, just to know Jesus. That's enough. 
If you were to get a new job, you, they'd probably on your first day present you with some kind of job description, which is a list of tasks that you're supposed to do. And they'd probably have some performance measures of how well they're going to assess you. And after a few months, and probably every three months, you might get called into the boss's office and have that conversation about how well you're doing, how, how, how well you're performing. And if your performance is not good enough, then you could be demoted, you could have your, some pay or a bonus deducted, or you could even be let go. And this kind of thinking gets, gets right into the core of who we are. But Paul is saying, this is the opposite of what Christ's uh, relationship with Christ looks like. We don't get called into his office and, and, and have our performance analyzed. It's a slow journey, day by day. So if somebody is trying to beat an addiction, then the calling of what Paul is saying is, stay clean for today. Live for today. If you're trying to raise your children with wisdom and really struggling, then it means that God gives you strength for today. The key thing is that our faith is not a performance measure where we can assess whether, whether faith deserves a clap or not, but it's a daily journey with Jesus. We might say that for today, Christ is enough. It's enough for today. And then Paul says, he goes on, he says, people are going to come alongside you and they're going to try to convince you that you need Jesus plus something. It's like we've got Disney plus, we've got different tiers of Netflix where, 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 where you pay more to get more. We've got plus, we've got everywhere we look, subscription plans offer plus, they offer extra features. And someone's going to come along to you and say, hey, you've just got Jesus, but what you really need is Jesus plus. You need Jesus plus some extra rules. Jesus plus wealth. Jesus plus hard work. It's Jesus plus. You don't need Jesus plus. Jesus is enough. Paul says this in verse 8 of Colossians in the message. It says, watch out for people who try to dazzle you with big words and intellectual double talk. Sometimes because something is so complex, we assume that it has to be right. Paul's saying, no, no, Christ, Christ is enough. They want to drag you off into endless arguments that never amount to anything. They spread their ideas through the empty traditions of human beings and the empty superstitions of spirit beings. That is not the way of Christ. The image I get is of these beautiful tombs that look great on the outside, but if you were to, to pull the door off, you'd find that it's almost always empty. It's just empty. There's just empty space in there. These ideas look good on the outside, but, but when you really get down to it, it's just empty. It's just emptiness. Because the message says that Paul is saying is that Christ is enough. When we wonder if our faith is enough, is my behavior enough? Have I earned enough faith points? The answer is, well, park that question for now and just live each day in relationship with Jesus. So I want to share a few thoughts for you today. Ways that Christ is enough. It's a simple message. This is what it says in, in verse 9. It says, talking about Jesus, everything of God gets expressed in him. So you can see him clearly. 
You don't need a telescope or a microscope or a horoscope. I love that line, or a horoscope. To realize the fullness of Christ and the emptiness of the universe without him. When you come to him, that fullness comes together for you as well. His power extends over everything. The thought is that Christ is enough on his own. On his own. Everything of God is expressed in Christ so that we might see him and hear him clearly. It's, it's Jesus plus nothing. So it's, it's a little bit like this. I've got this beautiful glass vase of water. I don't know if you can see it. Maybe I'll pop it out there. So there we go. Pure water. Pure Belfast water. Came straight out of the tap. Let's just imagine that there's no additives at all in this thing. Pure, beautiful water. But you know what? People have been whispering in my ear lately. And they've been telling me that actually, you know what? I know that that water is really pure and beautiful, but it just needs a little something. It just needs to, you know, it's just a bit boring. It's so clear and it's just a bit boring. We need to add a little something to it. So I've got, I've got here a bottle of strict rules. Now, we don't need to add very many strict rules, but we just need to add just a little bit. All right, a few, a few non-negotiables. So we'll just tap in, a, tap in a little bit of no alcohol there. Can't have any of that. And just to get this thing moving, I'm just going to swirl that around. There you go. Look at that. That looks wonderful, doesn't it? I, did, I shouldn't have chosen yellow. I went for primary colors. A few strict rules. Just add a bit of that. Oh, no tattoos. If you've got a tattoo, bad luck for you. Sucks. Bad luck. Shouldn't have had a tattoo. Jesus says no tattoos. That's not true, by the way. But yeah. Put in a bit of com- compulsory church attendance. Nothing unreasonable, ladies. We're all wearing hats of next week. Well, well, you are. I'm a man. I don't have to wear a hat, but that's a real thing, by the way. <laughs> Grew up in a church that had a history of that rule. And then someone came along and said, oh, it's still not quite right. It's, it's a little bit of extra. It needs a little bit of something here. I know, I know water should be pure in, in the same way Jesus is pure, but but, you know, it's a bit simple. We'll add something to it. Let's, oh, so over here, I've got a bottle of hard work. You know, it's beautiful. It's, it's red, and it's, it's hard work. Because we need Jesus plus hard work, plus, plus talent. We add a bit of that in. If you know your colors, you know what color this is hopefully going to turn to in the end. Look at that. That's wonderful. Jesus plus a bit of something extra. And I've got some performance here. Because how many people know that success is everything? We need the, and if we can't get, if we can't get success, we at least want the appearance of success. Success in our relationships, success in our jobs. It's, it's success, failure of any kind is something to be hidden. But we forget that Christ was considered a failure when he hung on the cross. We add a bit of performance in there. Now, if I've done this right, this should turn brown. (laughs) Or black. (laughs) There you go. That proves the same point. I'm not going to... Excuse me a moment. There we go. 
That's okay. Is it on my pants? That's okay. It'll, does it wash out? Does it people know? Sarah will sort it. She's good at the stuff like this. She, be- she belongs to one of those groups on Facebook that answers your questions about how to wash stuff. So, Do you know, we have, when you've got something that's pure, when you've got something that's pure and then you add something that's imperfect to it, when you add something that even looks good but, but is actually imper- imperfect, we've got a word in English to describe that thing. It's called pollution. When you have the purity of relationship with Christ and you try to add something to it, you do not make that purity better. You cannot improve on pure. Anything that you add to to the purity of Christ, we we describe that as pollution. It's Jesus plus nothing. You're going to have to (laughs) not look at my hands from now on. So I didn't think about that. Anyway, it is what it is. Christ is enough on his own, plus nothing. You know, I once started going along to a free lunch at university, and um, before I realized that it was a cult, that's a true story, I realized it was a cult. It was a a great lunch, and they did Bible studies. And about three or four uh, Bible studies in, they, they came up with this teaching that was Jesus plus something. It was Jesus plus membership to their group. And, and that for me, that was the first red flag. This is not of God. Because the message of the gospel is Jesus plus nothing. It's Jesus plus nothing. And as soon as anybody, that's what Paul's saying. If someone comes along and tries to tell you that it's Jesus, in their case, circumcision, then we cast that out in the name of Jesus. Particularly that one. <laughs> we won't get rude. It's about as rude as it gets in here. Second thought, second thought, fortunately for pastors, is that Christ is enough for forgiveness. You know, so often as humans, right, we try and quantify crime. We try and quantify uh, how many chances somebody deserves. We even have little sayings. You might have heard this. We say, God helps those who help themselves. In other words, people deserve more forgiveness if they behave in certain ways. We kind of like to subtly emphasize that forgiveness and peace with God can in some ways be earned. But that's not what Scripture teaches. This is what it says in, in Colossians 2 verse 13. He says, When you were stuck in your old sin-dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. But God brought you alive right along with Christ. Think of it. All sins forgiven, the slate wiped clean, that old arrest warrant cancelled and nailed to Christ's cross. It's all forgiven, past, present, and future. And there is nothing that can be done to earn any of that part back. But many of us still relate to God like there is something we can do to earn His grace and favor. We relate to God as if perhaps we don't have very many chances left. But Jesus says that when Christ died on the cross, all sins are forgiven and the slate is wiped clean. You know, imagine imagine that you know somebody who owes the bank $5 million on a floating rate. You know, interest would be tens of thousands of dollars per week that they have to pay. And that person... 
used to earn a lot. Maybe they don't earn enough anymore. And so now they've really trimmed absolutely everything out of their budget. They don't eat very much anymore. They've turned off their power to their house because it costs too much because they're just trying, to, just trying to make that payment. They've turned off the water to their house. They don't go out anymore. They no longer have a cell phone. They've, they've done absolutely everything to try and get money back to the bank. But each week they're going into debt more and more and more. And imagine if someone was to come along and say, I'm going to pay that debt and cancel that debt. How wrong would it be for that person to still live with the power off and the water off and not attending social functions and eating only rice. And, and, and yet we live like that. Christ has come and canceled everything and we still live like, like, like we could earn it back. I want to tell you, you cannot earn anything back. Christ is enough His forgiveness is enough. Perhaps some of us need a fresh reminder that the debt has been paid, that you can stop striving to pay off a debt that has already been canceled. Colossians tells us that that what do we do after that? We live in Him. In Him, it's enough. My final thought for you today, if you've ever asked the question, you know, is my faith enough? is that Christ has redeemed our old life. He's redeemed our old life. When we speak of the old life, what I mean is that there are patterns and broken, sinful, shameful patterns of the past that held us and that did not seem to let go of us. For some people, the search for belonging was so strong and the lack of acceptance in your life was so strong, you searched for it in places which hurt you. And the search goes on and on and you find yourself getting more and more hurt, more and more dysfunctional in the process. That's the old life. For some others, it might be a thirst for pleasure and comfort that you tried to look for to get peace, but now has only left you with shame and pain and brokenness. And that sense of shame in your life has locked on. I want to tell you today, whatever it is that has existed in the past, Christ is enough. He has drawn a ring around it. He has declared it in the past. He has declared it dead and gone and buried. And he is here to walk with you into your new future. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. The new is here. A while ago, there used to be this auction house that lived in the town that I was living in, and they would auction off old tools. And a lot of these tools were old and rusty, and people wouldn't um, offer very much money for them. So I would go in and, and I'd really I'd get a big kick out of purchasing some of these old tools, particularly wooden planes. Um, you know, those things you plane with, not like the yeah, plane. And um, they'd be old and rusty. And I'd take them away and I'd scrub the rust out of them and I would oil them up and I would sell them on Trade Me for a handsome profit. You want to buy a plane on Trade Me, it's going to cost you 70 or 80 bucks. And I buy these things for like a dollar. It was fantastic. It was incredible. 
So now, if, I think there's an auction house in Kaiapoi. You're welcome to go and, and do that. It was so satisfying to take something that was just sitting in somebody's shed, rusting away, not useful in that state for any real purpose, and remove the rust, and then release years upon years of, of happy, uh, joyful planing to somebody's life, just to grant new life. You know, that's what Christ has done for us. The old is gone. The new has come. There is now new life in Christ. Now, this means that that whatever labels people gave you, or perhaps labels that you gave yourself, those labels are gone. You might have felt that those labels that people gave you talked down to you and treated you like less than how you felt that you should be treated. Or perhaps you felt that those labels um, put you on a pedestal and, and expected more of you than was reasonable. Whatever situation, those labels are now gone. The old is gone, and now there's new life in Christ. You know, for some of us, we've set goals on the future based on on what we believe that we were worth in our past. But God is saying, come on, lift your eyes. You're worth so much more than you thought. The old is gone. There is now a new future for you in Jesus. You've, there's a new future that you've not even dreamed of in Christ. I call him the hope of glory. For some of us, we've been living with a poverty mindset, a way of thinking that says that so perhaps other people deserve nice things, but not us. The success might happen for other people, but it's not going to happen for us. Because of our past, our future is limited, is the way we think. That's how our poverty mindset works. Well, the Jesus I know and serve rose from the dead, and he has the power to raise me with it in new life so that he can speak over my past and put a ring around it and call it dead and gone. There is now true abundant life in Christ Jesus. We can expect that things for the future will have the imprint of God's hand and blessing because we are now walking with Jesus Christ. The old is gone. There is now new life in Christ. Let's invite the keys to come. And as we conclude this message this morning, perhaps you're here today and you say, well, Pete, you've been talking about knowing God personally. You've been talking about walking with Jesus every day. And maybe you're thinking, well, I don't think I know God for myself. You know, it's a common experience to try and be good enough to know God. Maybe you even thought on the way here today is that I really feel like I should go to church, but I just don't, I don't know if my whole life is really in order enough for get to, to get to church. Well, I want to tell you, Jesus doesn't care about any of that. It's a common experience to try and be good enough to know God, but nobody ever succeeds. None of us are. The people who look like they are are just pretending, just like you and I. That's why God extends his hand of friendship to us as an incredible gift. But like any gift, it needs to be opened and unwrapped and accepted. First of all, we need to accept that we need that gift. And doing this is very simple. And so as a church, we we do this most weeks where we close our eyes and we pray this prayer to give everybody an opportunity 
to ask themselves, do I need to come back into relationship with God? With every head bowed and eye closed, I want to tell you that God loves you so much. He created you and He created you to live in relationship with Him as as His heavenly Father. You know, we've all inherited this broken, sinful humanity. And, And we drift towards trying to do things on our own. And the Bible calls that sin. And that sin separates us from God and keeps us separated from God. And God in His love as our Heavenly Father would not leave us in that place, a place that we cannot help ourselves and we cannot access the things of God. He would not leave us in that place. So He sent His Son, Jesus, from heaven to earth to come and be one of us, to die on the cross, having lived a perfect life, so that anybody who chooses to accept that would come into relationship with God and go on a journey of wholeness and healing. Thank you for listening to this Elam Church Christchurch podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit www.elamchristchurch.org or connect at one of our services every Sunday at 10am.